I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as a flow, navigating all my time spent, letting us know. Billion dollar, billion dollar, billion dollar. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson. I'm beyond grateful to have you listening. If it's your first time tuning in, I'm really excited for this episode because we're going to be sitting down with Tanya Oliver, and she's somebody that I was extremely fortunate enough to meet actually about a year ago. So it's right now October of 2022. We met back in 2021 at the TAB retreat in Cancun, Mexico, a phenomenal experience. I actually remember we were sitting in a small circle with Tim's story, very, very intimate circle. I think it was might be about eight of us in there. And she and I were just going back and forth with Tim, asking him some amazing questions. And I just remembered thinking, wow, this woman had so much depth to her and she wants to help so many people. And she continues to work on herself, not so she can just fulfill herself, but so she can go out and truly serve others at the highest level. Throughout that time, I've watched her go out and serve entrepreneurs at their highest level, taking them from being broken and busted and putting them back in together so that they can run six, seven, and eight figure businesses. And now she's constantly getting on social media, sharing her authentic self, getting on stages, sharing her authentic self. And she's going to be here today with you all to share her story as I ask her a little bit more about her origin story. We dive into the importance of health, heart, and peace. And we might get a little deep, like with her, we like to have some pretty deep conversations. Every time we bump into each other at events or masterminds, you know, we always start going a little bit down that rabbit hole. So if we go down the rabbit hole today and you get a little bit lost, it's okay. You can pause. You can go back a little bit. We'll try our best to define, but it's going to be a great conversation today. So tune in. But Tanya, welcome to welcome to the, to the podcast. Welcome into the mind. Thank you so much for having me. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, but the time is now. Very excited. It's been nuts, you know, with rescheduling. And that's just the the life of entrepreneurs. It's a life of individuals that are on a mission. We we live life on purpose. So Tanya, what I want to know from you, if you're okay with it, is I want to go actually a little bit to your origin story. Because when I met you, you know, you were already pretty established and you were continuing to establish yourself more within the space of coaching and working with high, high level entrepreneurs. You know, however, I don't actually know your origin story of what even got you interested into the work that you do with mindset because you help so many people. I mean, I love your content on social media and you're constantly serving uh, so many people through your IG lives of minding my business. So like, you know, catch me up to speed and tell me, like, how did you get into this work with mindset? Oh, man, thank you. Uh, Gosh, I always say like, I have so many past lives in this lifeline. So I think it's, I feel like God put me through so many different like segments in my life so that I can really um, understand people. I believe that we're put in certain situations and circumstances in order to understand and have compassion and grace, um, for others. And we can only know, we only know unless we've had an experience. And so my upbringing, um, my upbringing was actually pretty amazing. I grew up, we grew up with money. My dad, um, was self-made and he started a, he ran away from home at 16. He left a very domestic violent, family and, you know, drugs and alcohol is like a, let me just share real fast. 
addiction is like a lineage in my bloodline. I think it's kind of that for most people, but definitely mine. And so my dad saying that my dad had left home at 16, built a very successful construction business. And we grew up like we had like Hummers in the driveway. We had Cadillacs. We went to private schools. I played ice hockey. So I was an athlete. I fell in love with sports. And I think that's where I I established um, my foundation of discipline and work ethic and I, I was very focused, so I didn't really get into like the partying because I always had practice or at a game. And I always wanted to take myself to another level each year. I wanted to become like the best of the best in the, in ice hockey. There wasn't much for women to go. So I wanted to take it as far as I could. And then I would like always try to, I have twin brothers. So I'd always uh, play on their you know, on their team, whenever I could practice, I'd always ask the coaches if I could practice with the guys so I could put myself in a very uncomfortable position for more growth. And I always loved being like the weakest player um, because it pushed me to then have um, a, a new direction of growth. So I would put myself in um, uncomfortable levels. So it, it pushed me and challenged me to grow. So eventually I could become the best of that. And so I feel like sports was such a healthy outlet for me. It was a great way for me to manage my, my, uh, my anger. I had a lot of anger and now I understand like why, like doing all this work to understand like my personality trait, but we grew up with that. And so at the age of when I went away to college because I had a, a scholarship for hockey, I did take it to a very elite level. And my my dad had to get major back surgery and he had fell and he had to get a spine surgery. They cut him from the front and the back and they just literally did a, a lot of malpractice. And because he was in so much pain, he ended up getting addicted to the medication and the drugs. And then it kind of went down a rabbit hole. So we lost everything. So we grew up with everything. So a lot of entrepreneurs, I can understand. So I was so passionate with the entrepreneurial world, but then they neglect themselves. And then eventually they do get into a space of addiction or certain ways of handling, you know, their pain. And so we lost everything. So I, I had like both extremes. Not only did I lose, we lo we lost the lavish lifestyle and never having to work for anything and just kind of like had no stress about money to then be like, I don't know how to pay for gas. I don't know how to pay for groceries. I have to figure out how to like get a job that's going to support me. And then I had to establish a whole nother hustle side of me um, in my 20s. So that's like the, the, like a fast forward back end story of the foundation of kind of like my upbringing. Like it was great. Like I, we had an amazing childhood. We had, uh, never worried about anything. It was just really cool experience growing up. Yeah, that's, that is really interesting. That's really cool. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Like one, yeah. you know, it makes a lot of sense that you were an athlete, right? Because <laughs> there's so much that you learned so many life lessons that you pick up when you're in sport, when you're in a place where the competition, you were purposefully putting yourself around players that were better than you so that you would level up. I mean, like, I, I really think people sleep on that when, you know, we look at some of the best performers in the world, they, you find that they have this like athletic bone in them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's just a hunger, a certain hunger. So although your, your lifestyle was well taken care of, which, 
you know, I think a lot of people are almost like afraid to admit when they do come from anything that is like a stable or like, a, you know, a foundation of money. Um, you know, I just I've seen my friends like not want to admit things like that. And I'm like, guys, there's nothing wrong with where you came from. If you came from the gutters or if you had things nice and handed to you at some point, we all end up having to take care of ourselves, which it sounds like when your father got his back surgery, you were kind of thrown into the ocean at that point at a later time in your life where now it's it's really sink or swim. So I'm curious when that transition happened, because that's a pretty, pretty major shift. You know, like coming from a lifestyle. Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not only, it's not regardless of the lifestyle, like the whole family dynamic was broken. I mean, I'm not going to say, say that it wasn't broken when there was money involved because there was a lot of like, you know, just be a lot of wealthy homes. It, it doesn't depend of money and no money. Like there's money doesn't resolve the dynamic of an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, not it was just like it was like okay the money's gone I lost my family I lost my dad I lost my you know my relationship with everything and now I have to learn how to fend for my own and so the the point of the like entrepreneurship really is a sport in its own like it really truly is a sport and you decide like what what um sport you're gonna play so we're all athletes and I would say like, we're all athletes and life and, and the career that we choose is our sport. And then what level do you want to take that, that, uh, career? Do you want to just play or do you want to play to win? Do you want to take it to the championship? Do you want to be the MVP or MVP player in that championship like game? So I do feel entrepreneurship is a sport. And so if you take the same principles and uh, characteristics and traits, and you just transition them into the career space, it can totally be like a game, like a sport, you know, and you same thing, put yourself in levels where you like, feel like you suck and everybody's like way better than you. And then eventually you get to play at their level too. I, I love that. So let me ask you this, right? You know, when we're, especially with the sport analogy, when we're playing sports, the purpose, the goal is to go and get points on the board, right? Mm-hmm. When you are going into entrepreneurship, sometimes the purpose is to go and make money. When you were at the place where the lifestyle shifted, right? The, the luxury was turned off and you had to go fend for yourself. What was it that you and your mind were thinking you need to go and do now? Where did your mind go to in that moment? Hmm. Well, my first career was uh, strength and conditioning. So I guess that makes sense too, because everybody's like, oh, I always see you work out. <laughs> I was like, yes, it is foundation. You have to have a solid foundation. Um, you have to prioritize your self-care and how you take care of your body because your body is your vehicle for your mind. And I'm a very big visionary. You are too. Like that's, I think, where we have a lot of respect for each other and a even the colleagues that we surround ourselves with, because there's a vision, there's a purpose. And in order to be able to have the endurance and keep up with our vision, we have to be able to take care of our body to get us through, to get us to like traveling and events and, you know, being punctual and being mentally sharp and being able to course correct and transition and have intellectual conversations. Like that's all about the mind, but without a healthy body, the mind can't operate at peak performance. And so, um, my, my first career was a strength and conditioning. I was a strength and conditioning coach and I 
just love serving and supporting people. And it was a very healthy environment. One thing I always promised myself because of uh, seeing my, my dad mm-hmm. um, was that I would always choose a career that was healthy for me. A lot of times we choose careers and we're just looking at it because of like the money. And I do believe like my father really, really loved construction. I really do believe, but there was a point where he didn't have to do certain things anymore and he just did it. And I think because entrepreneurs don't, don't move, um, like when you, when you live in a certain, let's say survival mode for, a long period of time and you don't have to be in that energetic space anymore. A lot of entrepreneurs never transition to a thriving mode where they start to delegate and they take their self out of the certain roles that they don't need to be in anymore. And so I feel like, like as far as like the mental health, the emotional health, the physical health, the uh, spiritual health that we do have to remove ourselves. It's like, it's like saying like, okay, you graduated um, kindergarten and now you're going to first grade or you graduated elementary school. And now it's time to go to middle school. Like, why would you still be studying elementary stuff when it's time to go to middle school? Why would you still be studying middle school stuff when it's time to go to high school? You're not going to be hanging out with those crowds. You have to up-level yourself. So I, I like that because, you know, you, it sounds like when you were watching your, your father go through what he was going through, especially as he battled with his health and you now had to step into your own, you prioritized the health, right? Which like, I, I think this is really cool because you, here's what's interesting. You came from a place of already having the money, right? I think most people in their entrepreneurial journey are in sight of the money. Like that's the first prize that they want to get to. And you came from a place of having already experienced that trophy to know that entrepreneurship provides much more. The, the ability to go out and live your life on your own terms provides much more. Yes, there will be money involved if that's what you seek. However, you saw they, there is more, right? Being able to prioritize the health and build that into it. So you started going down this route of doing the, the coaching and the strength training. And you started to also, at what point did you start to really transition from just working on the physical side to also the the mental side? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I will say, I want to rewind just a little bit Mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of people don't give credit enough to quitting. Before I found my sport, um, my mom was a really big, uh, my parents were both very supportive on us having freedom to choose and to try and to quit and then to try something else as long as we tried something else. And so I will say like, I think a big, a big part two of my foundation is like my parents allowing me to try different sports and then quit until I found one that I was really passionate about. And so I think we also need to give ourselves credit where like keep trying different paths until you find a path where you're passionate about because sometimes you're like one path short of the path that's going to be a big, a big part of the of the level of fulfillment in your heart and in your life. And uh, I just wanted to add that because it came to my mind. And I think it's an important message to tell people, you know, um, to give yourself permission to quit until you find something that does fulfill you. Um, and then when you find it, of course, like commit, <laughs> don't keep putting. Well, you know, what? I, I, I do want to echo that for, for a moment because that Tanya is something that I personally struggled with for a good long while, where even, you know, as you and I met, you met me during a stage where I was doing a lot more wholesale and real estate. 
And that's what I was chasing after. However, what I found and what I always knew was I was deeply passionate about coaching, about the work on mindset, about creating podcasts, creating this kind of content that has ultimately changed my life in such a drastic way. However, I was a little too afraid to pursue that real passion. And it took being surrounded by people who gave me permission to pursue my personal passion. Like I had to give myself permission ultimately. However, it helped hearing it from others. So that's why I want to echo what you're saying right now, because for me, it was such a, you know, a drastic thing when individuals gave me permission to be myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's important because people think, oh, I'm here and I'm being lazy. And then we get like this, um, uh, it's a confliction of the mind, you know, the duality of the mind where the mind just battles each other. Cause you hear some people like, you know, don't quit, keep going. Well, if it doesn't fulfill you, if it doesn't fulfill your heart, there's multiple, I see there's, there's multiple paths to an end destination. You don't, you know, there's a difference between self-discipline and self-punishment. So we want to make sure we take a path that it, it does create fulfillment. It makes us happy, but don't like get this confused. Like it's a lot of work. It's hard work. It is showing up in days where you don't feel like it. Like that's where the commitment and the discipline comes in place, but it's never a punishment. There's always a reward behind it. Right. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because you have been able to, to have the pleasure of diving into the lives of individuals. You know, we don't have to go into exactly who those individuals were, are, But, you know, I know some of the people that you've worked with and you've been able to meet them at places where on the outside, they are the most successful Mm -hmm. they have ever been. But when you met with them internally, they were broken, you know, and it would be later that they would come out in public and say it. But you were working with them before they presented that in public and let the rest of the world know what was going on. So what was it that you were finding when you were working with some of these individuals that had achieved that outward success? Yeah. Um, well, the biggest thing is I, I want to emphasize even the word broken, like nobody's ever broken. We're just disconnected. Mm. And this also comes back, like where they're connected or disconnected. And, and something that I always set with uh, the first session I actually do with anybody, it's we reset a new internal GPS. And just like a GPS in the phone, once it's there, it's like going to take us there. There might be detours, there might be blocks, but eventually it's always going to take us to that GPS. And a lot of times we have targets and we have goals that just no longer serve the new season of our life. And so it creates a disconnect, a disconnect, um, you know, and so I don't feel like anybody's broken. I'm just a guide. I have really amazing tools. I have really cool power tools and I just teach people how to use them. So they're self-sufficient and whenever they feel disconnected, they feel like things aren't serving them. They pull their tools and they get back on course. Like I said, there's multiple paths to an end destination. And a lot of times people just are on the wrong path for their next level upgrade. I, I agree with you. You know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I like what you said, right? That people aren't broken. Um, yeah, it's either not. connected or disconnected. Um, you know, I sat down, I had, if you're familiar with uh, David Meltzer, you know, I had him come on this podcast and he had written a book that said connected to goodness. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, he said, listen, do you look at the title? Read my title one more time. I said, it's, it's connected to goodness. He says, yeah, connected as in you're already connected and it's not connecting to goodness. It's not finding the goodness. You're already connected. I just need to remind you. 
We just need to clear some of the clutter, but the door is already in your house. You just got some stuff piled up in front of the door is all. Yeah. And and it's very simple. I want to like emphasize this. Like it's pretty simple. I always explain it like this. I'm really big. Like I try to take all of the work that I do because it does get really heavy um, and make it almost like a game. Like this is the sport of life. And we, we, most people, what I've realized, and, and I only know this because um, I didn't mention this, but I even had to heal from addiction myself. Like when everything happened in my twenties, I I got into addiction and it took uh, like at least a decade to heal from it and to reconnect with myself. And it was just a tool. Substance abuse is a tool we use to help us um, get through either physical pain or emotional pain. And we all at the end of the day as human beings crave relief to help us get through the pain and the discomfort. And and the only thing is I, like I said, I have really amazing tools that are healthy tools and they just help people get through that without having to harm themselves or harm others. And the biggest thing when I'm talking about disconnect is a lot of times our mind is our biggest critic and it's actually our, our enemy and not our friend. And so we learn how to befriend the mind. We learn how to get our mind on our own team. We learn how to get our body on our own team. We learn how to get our emotions on our own team. And we learn how to connect back to our spirit. And so it's like the mind, body, spirit. And we learn to just bring and encompass all of that together where we f- feel whole, we feel secure, we feel safe. And we feel like, yeah, I'm on my own team. I have my own back. You know, a lot of times we don't even have our own back. And so we become a liability to ourselves and to others and to our companies um, versus an asset. I agree. So Tanya, I, w- I want to go there for a second. I want to go back where, you know, you're in your 20s, you start to find your path, you start to find the career within sports and strength training, and you start, you're obviously, it's a darker time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Take me to that version of you. What eventually led to the struggling with the the addiction? Like how did that path pathway begin to uncover itself for you? Well, the biggest thing was like, I felt numb. I felt um, depressed. I had a lot of anxiety. I was suicidal. I didn't want to be here anymore. I, I just was so miserable And everything that I was doing that was like um, commonly accepted, like drinking and smoking and eating a bunch of junk food, I had gained 60 pounds. And I just was, I just, I was like, would always tear up my skin. I was a compulsive skin picker. And that's another addiction on its own. And I was just constantly rejecting myself in every single way possible. And I was like, okay, listen, there's two points in my life where I didn't want to be here anymore. And one was, uh, I believe I was like 20, 21, something like that. And then the other was actually a year and a half ago, a year and a half ago. So like I said, there's been so many intense moments in life where I'm like, you know what, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be okay with dying, then I need to, then what if I actually learned to live and lived on purpose and really like lived vivaciously? Like that's my new favorite word. I was, I was studying, I was like, okay, I'm writing a book right now and it's called building in the new. And I was writing like about like being in your full potential. I'm like, something doesn't resonate 
resonate about this word full potential. It's like, there's still a gap. It's like, I'm not there, but there's a possibility of there. And I was like, and I'm not okay with that. Like, I want to bring that there to me now. And I was like, what is that word? It's driving me crazy. So I meditated on it and then it came to me and I'm spent like an hour and a half on Google and the word is vivacious and it's like living it. And it's like, I kind of like want to dance when I say it because it's like, (laughs) it's like life, you know, it's like life we're living, we're being, we're doing like, we are it like be here now, do it now. And there is no waiting. There is no time gap. There is no like in between space. It is, it is now I'm here. I am now I'm being it. I'm doing it. I am, you know, and so I am it. I am her and you are him. And so, so yeah, I think the biggest thing is like, uh, I don't know. I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. We told you guys we were going down rabbit holes. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, well, Tanya, <laughs> what you did, like what I love is like, first off, I, I hope the audience can hear like the energy, like the smile on your face to so the people that are just listening. And as you said, vivaciously, I was just like, oh, I love that word. Right. And Isn't it an amazing word? It's such a good word. And what's really cool is, you know, what's interesting is you, you said like in the beginning, before you chose to live vivaciously, you were doing typical coping mechanisms, right? Drinking, eating. And what you said was it was commonly accepted behavior, which I thought was so interesting because I'm curious to know at that point in your life, what was the, the crowd that you were spending your time with? And the reason I asked that question is because, Tanya, I, I found myself talking to a gentleman the other day and he had reached out for help. And unfortunately, you know, he, when he reached out or not, unfortunately, but just what happened as he reached out, you know, I I told him, Hey, this is what we can do and things of that nature. And then he just went into a total self-defeating moment. And I said, listen, is it okay if I speak truthfully to you? And I said, I'm going to make an assumption about you because I don't know you well enough yet, but I'm going to make an assumption that right now you're living in isolation because maybe you came from a negative crowd but you haven't found a crowd to plug into yet. So I'm curious when you noticed that this was commonly accepted behavior, what was the crowd like that you were spending your time with during those early twenties? Yeah. I mean, I was in college. I was like finishing up college and uh, cause I had transferred, I had a scholarship up in, um, up in Syracuse. And then I had transferred to uh, Tampa. So USF and I was in a sorority and so it was a party girls and so this and that. And then, um, but I still did separate myself because I always knew I was different. I always knew there was more, there was just some, I knew, always knew I never really fit in, but I could always be like a chameleon in every group, but I never mm-hmm. had a group. I never felt like I had a group, a community. A qu- quick question. I, I want to say something with you noticing that you always stood out, like when did you start to notice? Was that like from an early age? Yeah. From a very early age. And even in, even in high school, like the only place I felt home was when I played sports. Like when I played ice hockey, that's where I really felt, um, I felt like a belonging. And so I think when we take little pieces of our belonging, what I've realized is most people that, um, choose to, participate because I do feel like I do feel that in order to lead, we first have to learn how to lead ourselves. And I do believe it was a journey of me finally taking ownership of my life and taking personal responsibility, getting on my own team, becoming an asset to myself, and then creating a community of which I wish I would have had. 
Um, and so I do believe leadership in order to truly lead, we first have to number one, get on a lane. And sometimes you're going to be in that lane on your own for a while. That's powerful. So even in, in college or high school and like younger years, you were feeling separate, you were feeling different, you knew something was up. And then as you got into young adulthood, you, you were still aware of that, although you joined what would be most traditionally seen as kind of like conforming, right? Joining the sorority, joining, it's like when we joined the fraternities and we joined the sororities where we're going to blend in. However, even in a place where you're blending in, you felt like you stood out. Yeah, I, I always felt like, um, well, one thing is when I transitioned, when I was in college, I played on a sport. So I played ice hockey. So I had a group, I always had like a, a micro group to like a, a larger you know, group. And then once I trans, once I moved, I wasn't, I decided I wasn't going to play anymore. And the only thing that I saw as far as community-based was sorority because I, they didn't have ice hockey. I was retired that sport at that, and in that uh, season of my life. And so I knew that I, I, at least I always knew like I needed to join something. And I do give that also credit to my parents where they always like had us involved. They had us active, whether it being like art or they had us in sports or they had us, they always just had us doing something. I think it's really important for people. If you don't have something, find a community to join Mm -hmm. and then you can always quit the community. It's nothing is forever, but at least give yourself permission, as you said, like give yourself permission to try something and to see if, if that resonates with you and it's not forever, it could be just a season. It could be a month. It could be three months. Um, and even to this day, when I work with people, like I'm part of the yoga community, I'm part of the salsa community. I salsa dance, I do yoga. And those are communities. You know, when I do entrepreneur, when I go to events, like those are communities, mastermind groups. And so it does give you more of a direction of a, uh, it doesn't mean you have to stay there or choose the one and only, but at least it's, it's something and it is a community with common interests, but just make sure that those interests are, um, adding value and they align with your core values and they, and you might be uncomfortable because you might not feel like you belong in there. And that's okay. Especially if you're in a season of becoming. Right. So you were a part of the, the sorority community and you were seeing that essentially it was no longer, it sounds like, I'm, and I'm assuming here, that it, at some point you realized it wasn't adding value to you anymore, just based off of the direction your life was going. So what was the, how did you begin to, did you pull yourself out of it or like what, what well, happened? I mean, I, gra- I graduated and then I, I graduated, I moved. I was in a transitional space. So they didn't know what I wanted to do. I actually got fired from my first job. Um, I was there for like nine months and I was, I'm sorry, like three months. And then I got fired. I, I, I was, uh, whatever was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) We all, I, I feel like, I feel, I really do believe in that quote where they say like rejection is God's redirection. I do hold, I like keep that to my heart like every day because I get rejected even to this day all the time, like all the time. I'll reach out to people rejection, but you, it's just redirection. It's like, no, that's not the path. Like keep going. You know, you can't get so devastated or caught up about it because it's just, it's just a course correct, you know? Um, and so when I, when I graduated, I went back to vocational school because for strength and conditioning, it's more vocational school. And 
I found a new community and it was like health and wellness and strength and conditioning, but people still do, even the entrepreneurial space, they go out, they go party, they drink. And even to this day, I'm still like a little weird. You know, everybody's like weird because weird is just different. You know, you live a different lifestyle and people can't understand how that actually is a lifestyle. Like for me, I'm in a season and I don't think I'm ever going to go backwards where I just don't have time for anything or anyone that's going to slow me down in alcohol for sure, like slows my mind. It disconnects me from, from my higher self, from operating at higher levels. And as a visionary, um, I just don't feel like that's living on purpose. So even to this day, I'm very selective where I position myself and I, and creating my own lane, you know, I've got a team, I've got building a community. And so we'll attract our own people. I, I, I absolutely love that. And actually, like I wrote it down here, right? Rejection is God's redirection because that's so true and so powerful. I know in my own personal journey, I mean, the amount of times I've faced rejection, it's just like, I, I've learned to appreciate it. I've learned to understand yeah. that, wow, when this happens, I think this was meant to be because it aligns you up to where you say you actually want to go. So you're now in a place where you're essentially you're building that community that you yourself always wanted because inside these other communities, you felt like an outsider. And like, let's talk about that journey for a second of building your own community, because that's something that some people, they're, they're going to look at you, Tanya, and they're going to see, they're going to go to your social media. They're going to see how amazing you are, especially by the way, when you had your red hair, it was just like, I I loved it. Like I, like I love the look right now. And like, every time you change your look, I I just like, I love it. Yeah. I did that post because everybody's like, don't change it. It's your brand. And I'm like, I am my brand. Big facts. (laughs) And what I love is you're so you're bold, right. And you're powerful. And I think sometimes when people see that, they're just like, wow, like good for her, but I could never do that. And what I love about you is you actually reached, I think maybe it was about three or four weeks ago. I saw you make a post where you were actually in your car and you were sharing, you know, it was a past memory of you, just, you were going through it, you know, full tears, you know, and you were just really showing this, this arc, this story. And I want you to express or, or share, you know, how you were able to go about and create a community and really create the, the person that's seen as so bold and powerful and yet is still so human. Yeah, I, I think that's just such a powerful thing that's not spoken about because when people see me and they meet me, they think like I'm superwoman and that I am not human and that, but there's a work behind the work. And that's why I try to be very transparent on my social media. And I try to share people like the work works. And I always say this and it's like the work works. You have to do it. There's a discipline behind it. And there are so many benefits. And I never answered your question of how I got into mindset. But when I got into the strength and conditioning space, I I realized like it was so much more than the body. It was the preparation for the mind. And, and as we talked about earlier, um, you know, when we take care of our body, it it's about the mental sharpness that we have. There's the pineal gland in the brain that allows us to connect to higher consciousness, super consciousness. And that's really where people seem like they're supernatural or that they're superman or superwoman. They're just connected to that segment of self, which everybody has the potential to be connected to that version. But there is a certain um, routine 
and habits that need to be set in place on a day-to-day basis in order to operate at peak performance all the freaking time. And somebody reached out, they're like, how are you always on? And I'm like, there's my night, there's work behind the work every single day. Like, you know, this it's simple, but it's not easy and you have to do it, but it's always worth it. And, uh, so yeah, when I, when I was overcoming my addiction, I started getting deeper and I had hired coaches and mentors to help me like really learn that addiction is just attachment and that it was a coping mechanism. And I just had the wrong tools in place, but it was just a tool to help me, help me number one, become emotionally available because I was so, so shut down and numbed off. And I do see that a lot with entrepreneurs. Like we close off our hearts. We think it's a weakness. We, we stop becoming vulnerable because we think it's a weakness, but it's actually a strength. Not saying go and be vulnerable all the time because you got to handle your business and people wouldn't think that seeing me (laughs) because I do present a very strong, like let's get to business type of demeanor and personality trait, but there's so much strength and vulnerability and it's what makes us human. And in order to have a, have emotional intelligence, which is actually a very strong skill set in business, you have to first um, have emotional management. And in order to have emotional management, you have to have emotional availability and you have to be connected to your heart because your heart is where your truth is. Your brain, your mind is all about programming. So we have to teach our mind to become obedient to our heart really is, is what it's about. It's a practice of teaching our mind to become obedient to our heart because our mind can be programmed all the, every single day. So you have to decide who you're allowing to let into your mind and you have to protect your mind and you have to feed your mind and you have to fuel your mind every single day at the same time, keeping your heart open. And that's really what I consider superpowers, no matter what happens in your life and no matter what trauma, no matter what chaos, no matter what, um, what tears your heart. Cause I still don't believe our heart breaks. I believe we have tears and with each tear, there's a repair and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. I feel like that those are the strongest people when, when the most, you know, traumatic things can happen to you, but you can still keep your heart open. Wow. I, I want everybody to go back and re-listen to the last like <laughs> three minutes because that was so good. Like I was like scrambling to write notes fast enough because wow. that was so powerful, especially right there with the, the last point, teaching your mind to become obedient to your heart. I, I think that's so, so, so powerful. And it's a message that is not heard often enough. And, you know, I, I would love for you to go into that a little bit more, as well as speak about some of the routines and habits, because that's also, you said it's simple, but not easy. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, sometimes people, they hear it and like, they think it's easy. Oh my gosh. Like, no, 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 no. Simple and easy are two separate things. It totally can be simple, but it's not easy when we're talking about building discipline. So I'd yeah. love for you to talk a little bit more about the teaching your mind to become obedient to your heart and then to speak about some of the routine and habits that you found that really uh, allow you to operate at such a, an optimized level where it just seems like, oh my gosh, how is she just showing up like this all the time? Like, does it ever turn off? Like it, it takes work. Yeah, I always say like there's gremlin hours. Nothing good comes out of anybody after 10 p.m. So just go to bed. (laughs) Those are the gremlin hours. I just had a podcast on that yesterday. 
All right. So let me answer the first one. The first one is teaching the mind to become obedient to the heart. Um, mm -hmm. I've been practicing yoga, which actually yoga, they found to be one of the most powerful practices to help people with all forms of addiction. And what I mean by addiction is just an attachment. And you might not be engaged in the behavior of something, but we can be addicted to negative emotions. We could be addicted to gossip. It's not always substance abuse. It's also, you know, thoughts and patterns and uh, stuff like that. And, and so the most powerful pose in the yoga and yoga just means a union with your higher self. That's all it means. If you look up the word, it means a union with your highest, the highest expression of yourself, your super conscious, your, your best self. In other words, in lamest terms, it's like your beverage. So you like, my best self, it's higher consciousness. It's super conscious. Like that's really the science name of it. Um, so yeah, your best self. And the most powerful pose in yoga is actually child's pose where you drop your head below your heart. And the reason why we want to teach our, our, uh, and I learned all this in my yoga practice and I have two yoga certifications because I had to understand I was in a car accident, um, at 32 years old, I'm 38 now. So it was in a really, really bad car accident where I couldn't work for 90 days. And I was at a commission. I had no money. I was just like living off credit cards, really messed up like my credit. And, and so I, um, I was put in a, in a corner and I do believe this was another segment of like rejection is God's redirection. It was the only way I was going to fully merge into what I'm doing today. Like 100%, like online, like go for it. Cause there's always fear with something. And when I, I could, I was in ICU for three days. They wanted to do surgery on me. And I was like, no, like I was, that's like the, you know, stubborn side of me. I was like, you're not touching me. You know, I respect me. I was like, don't, you know, like, no. <laughs> and, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I believe like when we're put through extremes, you really do see if the work works. And I was like, I've always been that person. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, I do know certain things. I'm not going full full in until like something bad happens to me. And there's a quote that I also learned in yoga. It's like, why wait for bad things to happen in order for, to, for us to do something good for ourselves? And it's true. Like, why do we wait for trauma or chaos in order to fully go into like what we know or what we've been wanting to do, like do it before, like bad things don't have to corner us. So I go all in with my yoga practice and it was a Raja yoga practice and it's just more um, allowing gravity to do the work and it's heated yoga. And I, the moment I was able to like, like go to the ground, like I couldn't even sit in a chair. It was, it took a while, a few weeks for me to be able to like sit down and get back up and stuff like that. The moment I was able to get down, I started going into hot yoga and I would just literally sometimes just lay there and just be in there. And then I went every single day and every day I got better by 2%. I'm like, Whoa, this is magic. Like what the heck is going on? Like, this is magical. Like I'm for it. I want, I need to understand. Cause part of me is like, I need to understand because I'm a teacher. I love teaching. I love like, I'm going to, that's what leaders do. Like, let me go first. And I'm going to come back for you guys. So I went first, I went through yoga teacher training. It was like a few thousand dollars. It was like two months of um, that specific one. And I learned all the philosophy behind it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is life coaching. Like this is life. This is amazing. This is cellular 
um, CMR it's called cellular memory releasing cellular impressions cellular like this is more like epigenetics and science and it made sense and I feel like even studying with Dr. Joe Dispenza a lot of it is like science does bridge that gap between the metaphysics and the um, you know the groundedness the practical the practicality of stuff and it, uh, it was really cool because science was able to explain everything that I was feeling that I couldn't explain to other people. And uh, so my body just healed the people that were, were suing the people because it was a really like ridiculous accident. And they're like, we can't really get you any money because you we can't tell them you just went to yoga and healed. And I was like, I'm not going to like go to the doctor just to get money. Like I'm going to do what's good for me. And it worked and everybody was so shocked. Like, I can't believe you healed yourself in like, like less than two months with that type of an accident. And it was just so powerful of how the body repaired itself so quickly with another proper tool. So um, I don't know how I went down there. Okay. Um, we talked about, what's that yeah. question about? <laughs> well, oh, you- teaching the mind to become obedient to the heart. <laughs> So I learned a lot about that the the heart is really where the magic is. The heart is where your life path is. The heart is where we really need to learn how to trust that part of ourselves. The side to not be trusted yet until you properly program it is the mind. The mind is all based on programming from a very young age by even all the storylines that I just told you, which I didn't even tell you all of them. We just pick select segments of them, but everybody has multiple storylines, past lives in this lifeline. And we don't need to keep bringing it up unless we're going to relate with each other because it's time to move forward, right? To create Mm -hmm. a new storyline to get into forward movement mindset. But um. When it when it comes to the heart, the heart is really where your passion, your purpose, your intuition, like you're going to feel something and you're going to be like, yes, but the mind is going to be like, this makes absolutely zero sense. Have you ever been in a situation where the brain is like, this makes no sense, but your heart is like, do it. One thousand percent. And did you follow it? So I've had experiences where I did not follow it and it was immediately followed by regret. And I've had moments where I followed it and I was so confused at why I was listening to it. And then it worked out and I made a promise to myself that when my heart and like the internal instinct screams that loud, I'm listening. Even when it whispers now, I'm listening. The more you listen, the stronger it gets you guys, by the way. So in the beginning, when you shut it down and shut it up, um, it it's weaker, but it's, it's a muscle. The heart is a muscle. It is one of the most beautiful, strongest muscles in the entire body without a heart. We do not exist. And they even did a study where people had to have heart surgery. Did you ever hear that study where people had their heart replaced and they took on the cravings and desires of the person's heart that they had, um, that had passed that they received? Yep. So I remembered here. Actually, it's funny. I remember hearing that like when I was younger, like hearing like stories and studies of that where they put the heart in and then people would find almost like there were these memories attached with it. Yeah. So that's called heart math. There actually there's a movie on it and there is a whole science behind heart math. And I got into heart math and started really getting to the core of everything. And I was like, wait, the brain, like the mind is really about 
like reprogramming. And then I started getting really, really, really into like Dispensa's work, Dr. Joe Dispensa and studying a lot of like epigenetics and Bruce Lipton. And I was like, because you can, as I was talking, as I kind of touched briefly is like, we, we can maybe not have a substance abuse use, but the craving could still be there. So I was like, how do I release all of these cravings and these desires and these attachments? And I am no longer a prisoner to myself because we all crave freedom. And when I really started getting into the core of that type of work, I was like, wow, like that. And I am free. You know, people are like, oh, once you're in this, you're always going to have it. Or people that go to centers, they, yeah, because you're always talking about it. And you're always reminded and you're always in that energy. And it's like, it doesn't exist anymore. It's like me trying to go back and try to pretend like I'm a kid in a kindergartner. I'm not in kindergarten anymore. Why do we got to talk about it? Yeah, there might be a few cool memories and stuff like that. But like me trying to talk about high school, like move on, like create the new, build the new, like, you know, that was like a long time ago that that version of me no longer exists. You know, you know, it's funny. I actually find anytime on uh, I'm interviewing people that are extremely successful, anyone that's like extremely happy with themselves and with their life and with their progression, it, it's almost like pulling teeth to get them to go back to the moments that like suck. And it's not because they don't want to share it. It's simply because they don't live there anymore. They're really yeah, forward moving. They live in the present moment and they're yeah. purposefully creating their future. And it, it's just like, it's so interesting. So it's like, you know, for the sake of the listeners and the sake of the audience, I just like to bring them back there just to so show a map, a roadmap of, hey, yeah. you too can get here. You know, I get that you might feel like you're at rock bottom right now, but it's an illusion, right? Yeah. Like that rock bottom is a launching point for you so that you can go somewhere, wherever you want to go. Well, I will say if it's a pain point and they've shut it down, they never really uh, dealt with it. And that still takes up energetic space in the body Agreed. and it creates disease. So Um, I mean, you still have to feel, heal and deal with it. Something I learned with, um, when I had done shadow work to really also release the, um, not live in my shadow. Cause we have the shadow side of us. We have the dark, we have the light, we, all of it exists, but what space are we operating in? Um, what space do we choose to live in? You know? And so when you can't talk about something or you don't want to go there, um, if it's relevant content and it has a purpose and it still aches your heart, then that just means that they never really dealt with it. And that's not healthy either. I 100% agree. So let me ask you this because you've done a lot of the work and you, you say the work works. I love that. Especially how you say, you know, sometimes we, we do get into these challenging situations almost to make us do the work, because like you said, you, you realized at some point you don't need to go to the, to the end of the cliff and get everything lost and destroyed before you start rebuilding. You can just start building, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to always rebuild. It could just be built, right? Yeah. So what are some of the routines and habits that you have found to be useful that really, I, I don't want to say anyone should be able to apply if they you know are aware of it? Yeah. Well, I'm in a different season in my life right now, and I wouldn't expect people to go to the extreme of what I've now incorporated. However, I will say where I start off with typically when I work with people is a foundation of a solid morning and night routine. And the reason why to start with the night routine and to start to respect your sleep, there's Uh, three core foundational staples and it's sleep, 
exercise, food. I'm sorry. There's, I would say four. I, I'm going to add a fourth. It's um, sleep, exercise, getting on a food schedule and also self-dialogue. Mm. And, you know, this is so important where we start backwards. So the, the times where we're really talking about like reprogramming your brain, we are most vulnerable in our subconscious and our programming, which is really 95% of how we operate in our day, not even consciously aware. 5% is conscious awareness. It's crazy. So if we're trying to program and to learn how to get on our own team, the, the most critical points is an hour before bed and an hour in the morning and to really respect those times. And also the most healing parts of the day for cellular repair, um, easing our mind, recharging our body, recharging our mind, recharging everything is from 10 PM to 2 AM. And most people don't even go to bed until like one, one so we want to really even like have that understanding of like the most critical times for repair is from 10 to two. And then, you know, that hour before bed is such a sacred time where like get off the electronics, um, create a solid discipline, start to clean up your home space because, you know, your home is such a big part of like, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with depression, if you're foggy minded, if you have mental paralysis, if you are creatively blocked. If you're stressed out, if you're overwhelmed, like clean up your home, start there, start with your external environment because your external environment is a direct reflection of your internal environment. So I would say like, spend like 10, 15 minutes, like organizing your home, prep out your clothes for the next day. You know, I say like, start with the most active to the least active, do skincare, take a shower. Showers always calm me. So I love taking a shower, even though if I showered in the morning, I still like to kind of like shower at night. And I just imagine like the whole day washing off of me, like mm. any negativity, any challenges, just cleansing me, like cleansing me energetically and just washing off. And then I'll journal, I'll do some brain dumping. If I've got a lot in my mind, I'll just kind of journal it out there 10 minutes and you can time audit it too. If you're like, oh, I don't have time, 10 minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes. And then I'll do a meditation practice. The meditation really helps you gain more control over your mind. It helps uh, strengthen self-awareness. It helps just strengthen the connection with you tapping into higher consciousness and it's definitely not easy, but it's always worth it. It also, I would say like we have our physical workout, we've got our mental workout, we got our emotional workouts and we've got our spiritual workouts. And so it is a workout. It is a daily practice. And then I, I hop in the bed and, and I go to go to sleep or I'll have my clients kind of have like a very simple schedule, anything that has nothing to do with um, electronics, unless you're going to use your electronics for some form of like a binarial beats or sound wave or sound bowl healing, something to maybe help, um, elevate and calm the, or regulate the nervous system. And then the, and then the, the night is going to impact the next 24 hours of your day. So how you go to bed is how you're going to wake up and it's how it's going to determine how you're going to perform. And then that morning time, you want to start with the least active. So I would just say like, put your hand on your heart, take five, you know, heart centered breaths and just say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Regardless of the emotions that that get brought up. You could say frustration and still say, thank you. Eventually you're going to feel gratitude. Eventually you're going to feel appreciation. I always say like, I received this breath and one quote that I really like love, and it's helped me get through a lot of struggles 
um, or when I was really struggling or feeling really depressed or having panic attacks in the morning, which was only a year ago, um, I would just say like, I received this breath and, and that God gave me a new opportunity and he gave me a second chance and that's today. And so it's, if you go in that, it's almost like you're, you're waking up with the possibilities versus taking the past into your present. It, it's like today, I really don't know what's going to happen. I kind of think I know, but like today could be that big day where I meet that one person and I, and I finally have my big break, you know, and it, it's like, it kind of gets you excited. And when you're excited about life again, you know, your energy shifts. So I would say like, you know, God gave me that second chance and that second chance is called today. And so it, it, you know, before I leave the bed, I just get, get that there, or I'll listen to you. I'll put on a, um, I always say like an intention of whatever I need to hear. I'll put a little Dr. Joe Dispenser, a little Abraham Hicks on just like a 15 minute thing, regulate my nervous system, always make your bed because it's that first thing is like set you up for accomplishment. You actually achieve something first thing in the morning, even if that's the only thing you achieve, you achieve something get up, you know, wash your face, brush your teeth, go work out, move energy, you know, get in the habit of moving your body. And um, I was like having a nice breakfast. The first thing you eat in the morning impacts your entire nervous system for the rest of the day. So definitely, you know, if you don't have time for food, get a protein shake in there, or just make some, you know, depending on what your food is, but try to make sure it's a fat, a protein and a healthy carb versus like a bunch of sugar. And then, um, you know, I just doubled up on my meditation, but you could do like a journaling, you can organize for the day, but just something like that, you know, something where it's pouring into yourself because, you know, what you do is just an extension, what you do, like your job, your sport is an extension of you. So the more you pour into yourself and the more that you get you solid, everything else is going to be an extension of that. And it's only going to be 10 times stronger and better. And no matter what happens in your life, you're going to be able to withstand anything. I absolutely love that. I mean, I think that is some of the best advice, especially because what you said with starting the morning routine, the evening before, I, I think that's one of the things, one of the reasons a lot of people miss out on the morning routine or they're not able to they stay fail. consistent. Yeah. It's because of that evening, they don't have it under control. So then the morning times are just, it's, they're, they're it's just reacting. Right? It's they're impossible. reacting to their morning. Your night impacts the next 24 hours out of your day. Like every single, mm-hmm. like even eight figure earner that I've coached, I, I would always ask them, when it would come to testimonial time, <laughs> I was like, what is that one thing it, out of all the work we've done? If you could just say like that one game changer and they'd be like that night routine. And we really like customize it. But like I said, I'm not mine. I've stepped mine up like even a notch. So I'm even like activating all my senses. Like I'm doing the neti pot. I have, I'm taking this one course. I'm always taking a course, but I was like, yeah, I'm not going to take you guys through that. Cause you, I would lose everybody. You guys would be gone by now. I, you know, I, I love that though, because you're always working on yourself and you're improving. And like you said, like a leader, you're actually stepping out into that world first. So you can say, let me come back and bring it to you. And yeah. you're bringing it to people that are at high levels that are ultimately going out and being able to lead more. So you're leading leaders, which is phenomenal. So Tanya, I want to be respectful of your time. And I want to ask you, there is two of my favorite questions I like to ask people near the end of each show, right? 
The first question is I'm massively into reading. So this is very selfish. This is how I build out my personal library. Can you name for me at least one, but no more than two books that were total paradigm shifts for you that you, you got your hands on, you opened them up and you've never quite gone back to thinking the same since. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the books is always a recommended read for all of my students. And the moment I met you when I was on stage at tab, I recommended it to everybody, the hidden messages in water. It's a very simple book. I even have like my clients get the book and their kids like take it from them. So it's literally that simple. And it just, there's pictures in there and it just gives you a really simple way of understanding epigenetics and that we are all made out of like minimal, you know, as adults, 70% cells and we are all connected through water and how what we speak, what we listen to, the music, the lyrics, what we read, like everything impacts us on a cellular level. And we're either, you know, we're either building ourselves up or we're breaking ourselves down every single day. And that even includes like Marlon, what you're saying about the environments and the environments that we're putting ourselves in. And uh, so the hidden messages in water is always, always a recommended read. Um, and it's a simple place for everybody to start. Even the kids read it because there's pictures in it and there's some YouTube videos on. And I would say the, the second book, I mean, there's a few books. This one is for more advanced. Like once you really get into the, the science and the programming and the super conscious and the subconscious. And that is like any of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. Like he, I've, I was really grateful. Uh, my birthday gift to myself last year in, well, this year, still January, was I got to go to a seven-day intensive um, retreat with him <laughs> and uh, his book, Becoming Supernatural. I'm not going to lie. It's a very heavy read, but he has a lot of stuff also um, on YouTube. But that book is just a total, total game changer. And I love sci- I love metaphysical stuff, but I love this science because science – removes the resistance. A lot of people have a lot of resistance and frustration and they can't completely grasp the metaphysics. And I get it because I, I was there, but the way that he, he proves that science bridges that gap and then it, you, you're, it becomes more believable. I, I love that. I love both of those book recommendations. And I am a huge fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza. In fact, I have like written in one of my journals that I will host a mastermind where I actually have him come out and he's orchestrating a like an event. He's taking people through the work at that mastermind right there. So when people arrive, they get that value. Um, better so hurry I, up because I, I think that. he's just working with kids pretty soon. Get out of here. Oh, I got to speed up. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> doing the like events, but his passion, I feel, is for the generations to come. And I think that's more of his passion project right now is is reaching out to the children, to the to the kids, to the young teens, which I think is just so cool. So everyone that's listening, I'm sorry. You've just been uninvited to the mastermind. I'm going to go create <laughs> a mastermind for kids and I'm going to go work with Dr. Joe. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> So let me ask you this final question. And this one's one of my favorite questions, Mm -hmm. which is, Tanya, I want you to imagine that tomorrow you're waking up and as you're beginning to open your eyes and come to, and you're coming to consciousness, you start to realize you have no memories 
There's no recollection of your childhood. There's no recollection of your young adulthood. You don't remember any of the work, any of the tools, any of the relationships. You're a total blank slate. Now, you're not freaking out. You're not scared. It's not a Saw movie. There's nothing to be nervous about. However, you start to have a thought come to you. And as this thought comes to you, for whatever reason, there is no resistance from you, right? You just accept it fully. There's 100% faith in it. And this first thought begins the foundation of everything else to come. What would you ideally prefer for this first thought to be? Hmm. That's a very loopy question. <laughs> it's a great question. I feel like I was going through hypnosis for a second. I was like, yeah. Um, I did a hypnosis session last week. So it's like, what was memories here? <laughs> so meaning like, how would I be running my life? Like, what would my, what, what, how would I be showing up like heart centered or is that what you're right. asking? Like, so the thought could be anything, you know, like whatever this thought is that comes to you, it's just going to become a part of your belief process. This yeah. is just you accept it fully on faith and nobody could ever convince you opposite of whatever this thought is that is now planted in your mind. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of living like that right now because I've been doing a lot of like mind movie stuff and hypnosis work and, you know, tapping into like that higher segment and um, meaning even like getting out of my own way of like writing that book and getting on stages and speaking and serving and strong leadership. So I don't know if that was like answering your question, but every day I feel pulled because I feel like in life either pulls us or pushes us and, you know, to operate from your, like you're talking about that space of being like moved and pulled. And that's really the inspiration. Did I answer? Like, was that the question? I don't know. I'm still a little. Yeah. So you, so in essence, it sounds like from there, you would continue to live the life that you're living right now, where you're constantly pursuing connection deeper connection to your highest self and living with that living with that truth yeah I mean I think that the biggest thing that I that I've been understanding was like if you're going to get addicted to anything get addicted to your resonance the way that you your energy is like get get addicted to your energy in a healthy way and riding the wave of energy you know, regardless of the circumstance and just, um, because we are, we are all energy, you know, and it's, we have low energy, we have high energy, but it's like finding the middle way, you know, not too high, not too low, but like right in the center, like that, that wave. I, I love that. So Tanya, I want to ask for the people that have been listening that they're just like, oh my gosh, She's awesome. I love her. Like you took them to a space where, you know, they started getting these epiphanies and they're like, wow, like they're, they're resonating with you. I know even as I was listening to you, I, I actually felt like part of my heart that turns on when I connect with people on a deeper level. And I was like, oh, cool. Like this is turning on again, even like through Zoom. This is awesome. So for those people that were resonating with you, I want to know how can they connect with you or if someone's interested in working with you, you know, how could they reach out to work with you? I don't even know if you have any openings for people to work with right now, but like, what's a way for people to reach out to you? 
Yeah. Well, we, we, I just had a team meeting. So we're doing this really cool thing. We're having like team tryouts. We have the mastermind elite. We host it three times a year and energy is everything. Dynamic is everything. So of course people need to make sure that we are supporting. I mean, this is for the individual within the self, but when you're working with other people, there still has to be a connection. You have to feel safe. You have to feel like inspired. You have to feel like, you know, if you have one bad seat in there, it's just not going to work. So we have team tryouts and um, they can, that is, I mean, you can reach me Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A at Tanya C Oliver.com. And we also, I have a free, a freebie. Can I give them the free link? It's a procrastination. I noticed that was like one of the biggest things for entrepreneurs was the struggle of, um, of, of uh, procrastination. And mm-hmm. so Hold on. The link is Morgan sent it to me. We have the uh, TanyaCOliver.com forward slash time. So that's a freebie. We created like a free little uh, free podcast on like procrastination and time management and how to stop wasting time to be more efficient. So that's free. So if you guys want something free, just to kind of get a style or a taste of how I coach and how I work with people that's for you guys. And then of course, Instagram and we're getting on YouTube. We're getting on TikTok, and that's Tanya C. Oliver. I love that. So I'm going to make it easy for everyone listening. Go down into the link below, go down to the description below. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, and I'm going to have the URL to everything. And this is what I want you all to do because Tanya gave her time. She gave her tools. She gave her resources. She gave her energy. I want you to let her know that you appreciated listening to this episode, that you appreciated her taking the time to do the work so that she can uncover it for you. I want you to screenshot this episode right now while you're listening, not later, not next week, not five minutes from now, right this moment while I'm cheesing as hard as I can. And tag us on Instagram and let us know what you thought about this episode and reach out, right? DM myself, DM Tanya, let us know what stood out to you in this episode. Tanya, I want to say thank you so much for being here today. You are always a absolute, you're an absolute pleasure to be around. I love seeing you at different masterminds. I always think like, because I feel connected to you that I'm like, wait, you're not in Arizona. Why do I feel like you're in Arizona? You're like, no, dude, you keep bumping into me everywhere else we go. But I just want to say I appreciate you and thank you so much for being here. Today. I appreciate you too. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I feel like it was like two minutes and it was like over an hour. <laughs> That's the vibe. So everyone, make sure that you go ahead and tag us in those screenshots. I want to see it and tune in for the next episode. I have no clue who the next guest is going to be. So it'll be as much of a surprise to you as it is to me. I'll see you guys later. Bye.